All right, good morning, class. Um, I'm absolutely excited to be sharing the word with you. And uh, thank you, Mommy, for this great opportunity. Sorry, don't mind my voice, but yeah. Okay, let's start already. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It says, But growing grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forevermore. Alright, so the Bible tells us in Second Peter 3 verse 18 that there is a place for growth in grace. It says grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's one thing to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, but God wants you to grow in the knowledge of him and to also grow in grace. The grace that he speaks about here is capacity. The dictionary doesn't give meaning of words. The dictionary actually gives probable meaning of words. So the word grace can be a noun, it can be a verb, it can be an adjective. Now, as regards your grace, when you're referring to somebody in authority, all right, verb, unmerited favor, all right, and an adjective as regards to capacity. So it says growing grace. I like the fact that um, if we want to expand our capacity, it appears as though God is saying we are the ones to, you know, expand that capacity. All right, we are supposed to be the one to enlarge our appetite for the things of God. And the Bible tells us how. It says, but growing grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So growth in grace is equivalent to your growth in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's not enough to just give money to ministers and say you want to tap into anointing. But it's actually to spend time to understand the possibilities that are in the Word of God. Those possibilities, understanding and knowing that they exist or they are there, will give you the desire to want to see those possibilities become realities and then working those things will become conviction, all right? That's when the Word of God transcends opinion and becomes conviction. An opinion is what you hold. A conviction is actually what holds you, all right? So there's a place to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, all right? So how do we grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus? Very simple, by knowing Him. And how do we know him? You can only know me by what I tell you. So what is God? Or how does God speak to us? Primarily, God speaks to us by his word. The word of God is the voice of God. God is always available if you are always available to read your Bible. Actually, if you want to hear the voice of God, read your Bible out loud. It's that simple. All right? Because everything that is in the Bible is actually what the Holy Spirit said or is saying concerning our lives or His church. And so what you are reading is what He said, what He is saying, and what He will say. Alright, the Bible says, Once have I spoken, twice have I heard that power belongs to God. So we primarily grow by the understanding 
of God's word. The Bible tells us in First Peter chapter two verse two, it says, "As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby." You see, so we grow by the word. We grow by the word. All right. Peter told us, he said, for who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image. I said, Peter, sorry. Um, He told us, um, he says, he has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, according to the knowledge of him that has called us unto glory and virtue. So we have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. But then he says it's it's in accordance with the knowledge of him that has called us unto glory and virtue. So the level of things that pertain unto life and godliness that you will see is in correspondence with the knowledge of him that you have. I hope that is clear. Alright? So how do we how do we study God's word? Or what let me start with what's the benefit of studying God's word? Number one, that's the way you feed your spirit. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So just the way you eat food to feed your body is the way you must eat the word, alright, to feed your spirit man. Or let me say to feed your soul because when we received the Holy Ghost, we didn't receive just a spirit. We received the Holy Spirit. But he is in us as an influence, all right, to influence our decisions and transform our mind. So the Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is the acceptable and perfect will of God, all right? So we have the Spirit of God in us as an influence, all right? Because why I said an influence is because... The will of God is not always compulsory. Let me say it clearly. The will of God is not actually compulsory. It's just a smart choice. If God's will will always happen, then there will be no reason for God to ask us to obey. Alright? If God is saying, obey me, that means you can choose not to obey. And if you can choose not to obey, it means that what God is saying to do might not be done. Alright? If you read Psalm 78... Verse 41, he said, you have tempted me and limited me, the only one of Israel. It's possible to limit God. Alright? First Thessalonians 5, verse 18, if I'm correct. The Bible says, quench not the spirit. So it's possible to quench the spirit. The Holy Spirit can tell you to stand up and you refuse to stand. And you say, no, you disobeyed. But guess what? The will of God wasn't done. The will of God was that you should stand. So the will of God is actually not compulsory. The will of God is just a smart choice. When you understand that the person that is telling you to do something is all-knowing, is Alpha and Omega, is the beginning and the end, then it's just wise to say, to do what he says to do. <laughs> all right? And so the same way we eat and our body, we strengthen our body. It's the same way we feed on God's word to strengthen our soul, our mind. Listen, I've eaten rice, I think, over 1,000 times. Alright? And I will still eat rice. And this is one thing that we Christians have to learn. The word of God is not just, don't just look for new messages. Just the way you are not just looking for new delicacies. Alright? Eat the elder ones that you know. 
That's what you do with food. You eat the elder ones that you know. Same thing with the word of God. You keep eating the word of God. All right? The same way, you know, your food is. All right? You don't say, I've eaten rice. I'm not eating rice again. Some people say, I've read the, I've read the Psalm chapter 2. I've read um, Psalms 2. I'm not reading Psalms 2 again. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to keep eating. You have to keep reading the word of God. The way you feed your body is the way you ought to feed your spirit. Another similarity with the word of God and something we do every time is, if the word of God is what God is saying, then it means that um, we have to be hearing from God. And that's why we should read. I have friends that tell me good morning every time. I don't say, hey, you've told me good morning yesterday. Don't tell me good morning again. Or, I say, ah, you spoke to me yesterday. Don't speak to me again. No. We continue to speak. And so, when you are reading the word of God, just the way somebody talks to you every day and says almost the same thing, you know, because that's just human relations. It's the same way it is with God. Some people are so quick to move on. They do a study, you know, and they never go back to it anymore. Some people will write message notes and never read it. So you are wondering, why are you writing in the first place? That's what is called religion. Alright? So the same way you feed your body is the same way you ought to feed your spirit with the word of God. Your body and strength is by feeding the body. So the, the outlook of your body and strength for your body is by feeding the body. And so is your spirit, alright? Also notice that we are a product of what we eat. Your body looks like what you have been eating. Your spirit also looks like what you have been hearing or taking in. Listen, friends. Whoever controls your ear actually controls your destiny. Actions are bettered eh, by words. So what you are hearing is very, very important. What you are hearing is actually making you act the way you are acting. If I say come, all right, that word come will produce an action. You will stand up and move towards me. Words are that powerful. In, inherent in words are actions. And if I say come and you don't come, I'm going to repeat it again. So words have propelling power such that if you're hearing something, and you are not responding to it. You keep hearing that same thing over and over again. And I think some of you will understand what I'm saying. The reason why God has been talking to you about patience for five years is because he has been telling you about patience. And just the way you are telling somebody, come, and the person is still sitting down. What do you keep doing? You keep telling the person, come, 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 come. God will not move to another instruction until you have answered that one. The evidence that you heard me is what you did about what you heard all right so if i say come and you don't come that means you didn't hear so there is no moving on and so any word of god that you see that you are not seeing the realities of what you're reading in your life you stay there god is still talking about that issue Alright? The Bible says, For who he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So there is a conforming. I just quoted Romans 15 verse 4. So there is a conforming to the realities that we see in the word of God. Now I wrote here, 
Actually, there is no such thing as a powerless Christian because in John 1 verse 12, the Bible says, For as many that received him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. But if there is anything as such, alright, it will be an ignorant Christian. The Bible says in Psalms 82 verse 5 and 6, it says, I have said that ye are gods and children of the Most High. It says, But you shall die like men. men. It says, They know not. So they walk on in darkness. You see, Hosea 6 verse 9 says, My people are, who are called by my name, or my, my, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. All right? Ignorance is such a terrible thing. It's so painful to be ignorant. It's as though you have money but you can't spend. Let me try and paint a mental picture. Imagine you needed to pay a bill of 100000 for your, maybe, for one of your relatives that was very sick and they needed that money to save that your relative's life. Alright? So you tried and also and bustled for like two weeks to get the money. And then at the end of the day, you didn't get the money and the person died because you couldn't raise the 100000 Immediately the person died, you go to the... The car park in the in the in the hospital, and then you bring out. You are just angry and crying, and you touched your pockets, and lo and behold, you saw hundred thousand era there. It was there, but anxiety did not make you see it. Listen, the pain will not be that somebody died. The pain is that you will not start taking responsibility for their death. In fact, you feel as though it wasn't death that killed them; it was you and your ignorance. Alright, that is what it's actually like, alright, to be ignorant. Ignorant doesn't just mean not knowing. Ignorance means to ignore knowledge, alright. It also means, you see, an ignorant person sometimes is not even someone that doesn't know anything. It's actually somebody that cannot know anything because he knows too much of the wrong things. And so when you confront an ignorant person about the ignorance, they think you're the one being ignorant. <laughs> Alright? And that's such a bad place to be. To not know you are you have is as good as not having. Do you know that Elisha died of sickness and he got an anointing from Elijah that Elijah was translated with chariots of fire and yet he still died of sickness? And meanwhile, the kind of impactation he got was an impactation that ought not to die. Guess what? The Bible says they threw dead bodies into the tomb where Elisha's bones were. And then, amazingly, the dead bodies received life. And the person that owned, owns the bones died of sickness. Listen, if you ignore knowledge, some way, somehow, you definitely pay for it. Alright, and this is why it's important to study God's Word. Another thing is this. It's important for spiritual growth to study the Scriptures. Listen, friends, it is work to study the Scriptures. It takes discipline. It's not going to be fun at first. It takes seriousness and consistency. The Bible says that um, study to show yourself approved. A workman, 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 workman. That's telling you that his work in Christ, we come into rest, we come into Sabbath, alright? But we labor in two ways. We labor in the Word 
and we labor in prayer. We labor in the study of the word and we labor in prayer. It's a study to show yourself approved. It is a study to make yourself approved. He said, study to show yourself approved unto God. In other words, he's saying, study and make people know that God has approved you. All right? You are not studying to impress God. God will say, wow, this guy knows me. (laughs) No. You're studying to show that you are approved. All right? You are not studying to make yourself approved. Study to show yourself approved unto God a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. So there is a way to wrongly divide if the Bible says there is a way to rightly divide. Let me give an example. For example, if you come inside your house and you see that there is electricity, there is light, and then you ask, ah, which um, source for electricity is this? And they tell you, ah, it's NEPA, it's PHCN. Alright? And then you go and put on your, your fridge, you go and put on the iron, only for you to know that your generator knocked. knocked. You're like, ah, what do you mean? But didn't you tell me that it was PHCN? Why didn't you tell me it was generator? Listen, there was light, that's true. But it was wrongly divided. Alright? So when the Bible says, study to show yourself approved, unto God, a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. The word of truth is constant, but there is a way to wrongly divide. That is a perversion of the source. Just the way I can see light and I attributed the source to PHCN when it was generator is the way I can see light and attribute the source of that light. Or I can see, when I mean light now, I mean the light of the word. I can see a revelation or the light of the word and attribute the meaning, all right, or the source of that light to another source apart from Christ. Or I can attribute what God is doing to mean that's what devil is doing. Or what devil is doing to mean what God is doing. For example, Jesus says in John chapter 10 verse 10, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, but I've come to give life. Your loved one that died is not God that killed your loved one. Alright? Because the Bible tells us who does that job. A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God is a, is a life-giving spirit, alright? First Corinthians 15 verse 45. If God is going to be killing, what's the devil going to be doing? If God is going to take your job, what would the devil do? Give you a job? <laughs> If God is going to be killing and making people sad, what would devil do? Be sharing joy. Of course, you can see that there is something wrong with that. That that is what it means to wrongly divide the word of truth. Another thing I think is important to say is this. Spiritual growth is not automatic. No, it's not. It's actually... Very deliberate. And listen, you can be 4,000 years old and still be a baby in Christ. The young man David was 17 years old and was in the midst of men, yet he was the oldest. Because with God, it's not age. With God, it is transition in knowledge. Listen, Jesus looked at his disciples that were very old that were older than him, and he called them little children. He called them men of little faith. Alright? So, it's not about age. It's not about 
quote-unquote your experiences or qualifications because at the end of the day you're always an illiterate at something all right it's true you are very educated and you're not a doctor but guess what you're an illiterate in in mechanical engineering you're an illiterate in plumbing so you are more of an illiterate than actually um an educated person or illiterate than that you think you are so there is a learning all right and just the way you didn't sit in your house and expect that all the textbooks concerning the thing that you study should jump into your head is the way you will not just sit and expect Holy Ghost to put everything in your head. Listen, you will never quote scriptures if you don't read scriptures and memorize them. Say, ah, the Holy Spirit will just give me this divine acceleration to just know scriptures. It doesn't work that way. You will memorize it the way you memorize your biology definitions. Alright, it will take deliberate actions and you memorize them for easy access. You must plan that okay, these are key scriptures that I think I should know. Alright, so it takes deliberate action to grow spiritually. I want you to see Second Peter chapter 1 2 to 4. I said something about that, about all things that pertain unto life. And the Lord, the Godliness, through the knowledge of Him. All right. And why I want to give you a commentary of that, um, I will just let that slide. All right. Now, as regards to spiritual growth, there are three things that I just want to say here, and then we'll call it a day. Right. This is how to measure spiritual growth or and this is how to attain it in study, in prayer, and in demonstration. So we study, we pray, and we demonstrate. Alright. We study, we pray, and we demonstrate. Look at Acts chapter four. I want to read something to you there. Acts chapter 4 verse 18 Acts chapter 4 verse 18 And they called them and commanded them not to talk at all Nor teach in the name of Jesus Look at verse 23, let's jump to 23 And being let go, they went to their own company And reported all the chief priests and elders had said unto them And when they had heard that They lifted up their voice to God with one accord That was the first car driven in the Bible under accord I'm joking and said, Lord, thou art God, and thou art made heaven and earth and the sea and all that are in them. He says, who by the mouth of thy servant David. Look at the way they are praying. You can see the connection of studying. Many people think that in the Bible they were not reading Bible. It's not true. In Luke chapter 4 verse 18, the Bible, if you read from verse 15, the Bible says Jesus went to Nazareth as his custom was to read. And he opened the scripture where it was written in the book of Isaiah. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to preach the gospel to preach deliverance, to um, preach the gospel to the brokenhearted, set the captives free, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus actually read scriptures. Alright? Same thing with Paul. They didn't just talk. 
Romans 1, 16-17, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is God's power unto salvation, first to the Jews and then to the Greeks. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Then he says, For it is written, The just shall live by faith. These are scriptural references. They were citing. All right? When Jesus was talking in Matthew 13, he said, this is, um, he says to you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it's not given. He says, because this is the prophecy of Isaiah fulfilled, that in hearing they shall hear, in seeing they shall see, they shall not perceive, lest they repent and their sins before giving them. He was citing Isaiah. When Peter was talking, by his stripes who were hid, he was quoting Isaiah. So these guys were actually quoting scriptures. Alright? Okay, let me give another example. In Acts 19 verse 20, the Bible says, So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. What was the word of God that prevailed? That was, he was speaking in context about the word of God prevailing in Ephesus. That was when Paul first went to Ephesus. So there was no way Paul could go to Ephesus and be writing a letter in Ephesus. He could have just preached the message. So when he wrote the book of Ephesians, he had visited Ephesus and left. So when Paul was in Ephesus, there was no Ephesians. All right? And from church history, there was no Colossians as well. So which word of God prevailed? Which word of God did the Berean Christians go and check? It couldn't have been the New Testament or the Epistles, all right? It was the Scriptures, Genesis to Malachi. Genesis to Malachi. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So, you have to give yourself to start. Look at the way the apostles prayed. Listen, you cannot jettison the pillars and expect to see the expressions. The pillars are the things that hold it and make the manifestation possible. So, if you want to see how the early church were able to achieve the exploits they did, you have to pay attention to things that they, they did. And one of the things that you can see that they did is that there was a study of the book of Psalms. This is Psalm 2 right here, if I'm correct. Why did the Aiden rage? And why do the people imagine vain things? The kings of this world stood up and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, put Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their transness and grant unto thy servant that with all boldness they may speak the word. Look at what they are praying about. You see, they didn't pray that their enemies should die. They didn't say Pontius Pilate die. Instead, they prayed that they receive boldness. Can you imagine how they are fighting war? Kazala, Verene, Mestovisi. See, the way they fought wars, they didn't see their problem as a person. They saw their problem as the spirit of the Antichrist, all right, against the message of Jesus. Because the spirit of there is the person of the Antichrist, and there is the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist already is in the world. And it's not just now. Even in the Bible, this look at First John. Let me just open that already. First John chapter 4. Yes, First John chapter 4. Let me just read that to you. 
First John chapter four verse three. First John chapter four verse three. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Wherefore we have heard that he should come, and even now already is it in the world. So the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. Alright? The Antichrist the person of the Antichrist is yet to manifest, but the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. So you see the way they took warfare. They saw warfare in the confines of message. If the devil will advance his territory or the frontiers of his civilization, it will be by preaching. And same with God. God called Abraham and preached the gospel to Abraham. Let's look at that. So you don't say, eh? God preached to Abraham. Oh yes, the Bible says so. Galatians. Alright. Galatians 3 verse 8. Galatians 3 verse 8. Galatians 3 verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Edens through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, Indeed shall all the nations be blessed. So God preached to Abraham the gospel all right so they didn't see warfare as somebody is taking my glory (laughs) because we are the glory of god you don't have glory you are glory all right they didn't see it like that somebody is trying to take my job do you really what would ever do with your job walk your walk or take walk your job no it's more than that. He wants to take your concentra- your concentration. He wants to take your concentration from the things of God. Alright? So instead of them to pray and say, let Aaron die. No. They said, Lord, give us boldness to preach your gospel. To preach this word. Look at verse 29 again. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. And Lord... Behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servant that with all boldness we may speak the word. So they had the word. Now they are asking for boldness to speak it. Alright? Verse 30. By stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, when they had prayed, so they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And that's another thing. You see, it's amazing that every time the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit, it wasn't only one person. It appears as though there is strength for being filled with the Spirit when we are in a community. Now let me make this clear. There is... What do I mean by being filled? Like, are we not filled with the Holy Ghost? It's true. Of His fullness have we received grace for grace john 1 verse 16 but the truth is this the bible says be not drunk in wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit so it's actually a command to be filled with the spirit in acts chapter 2 we saw that they were filled with the spirit in acts chapter 4 we saw that they were filled with the spirit again so yes there is the indwelling of the spirit with which enables us to be filled with the spirit what do i mean When I say be filled with the Spirit, I'm saying be full of the Spirit. It doesn't mean the Spirit is coming upon. Alright? If I'm telling you to do it, if I say, hey, be full of the Spirit, 
I didn't say Holy Ghost, please fill the lap with the Spirit. I said the lap be full of the Spirit. It means I have capacity and I have all the mechanisms in me to be full of the Spirit. It is my responsibility to do it. So if I say, for example, get dressed, what do I mean? I'm, that means I have dress. If I don't have dress, I can't tell you to get dressed. Alright? So when it says be filled with the Spirit, it means two things. Number one, that you have the Spirit. Because if you don't have the Spirit, how can you be filled with Him? And then number two, that you are the one to take responsibility for the reality of that. Alright? But we see that every time there was an infilling of the Spirit, it was as though they were in a community praying together. And look at all the proclivities of having, you know, the word of God dwell in you richly. Uh, Colossians 3 verse 16. It says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Right? Teaching and admonishing one another. So the way to allow the word of God dwell in you richly is teaching and admonishing one another. Not yourself. It says yourselves. One another. Alright? Look at uh, Ephesians um, chapter 5 verse 18 be not drunk with wine wearing his excess but be filled with the spirit singing and making melodies in your heart to the Lord alright it says submitting to one another so, so you can see that there is there is a connection Jesus says this sign shall follow him that believe no these signs shall follow them that believe signs and wonders is in a company Maybe that's why you've not been seen in lots. Because you want to do everything all by yourself and not have a community to belong to. Alright? If you are going to do a solo thing, then you don't understand what Christianity is about. Jesus did not die for just a denomination or for just one human being. No. He died for something. He died for the church. That church there is... It's not just, ah, you say, yes, I'm a church. It's true, you're correct. But it's actually deeper. Church is the summary of the entire Christian experience. So when Jesus died for his church, what is his church? That we will have the indwelling of the Spirit. The church is that we will have fellowship and communion with the Father. The church is that we are now partakers of the commonwealth of God. This is what is called church. When you pray, you study, you fast. You have access to God. You prophesy. Gifts of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit. The summary of the Christian experience is what is called the church. That's what Jesus died for. So that you can have access to that reality. I hope what I'm saying is making sense. Alright? And the word is called ekkalio, ecclesia. It's the called out ones. Not the called out one. So when God was calling Moses, alright, he called him and sent him to go and get more people. Same thing with Noah. Not just Noah, but his family, his household. And this is the way God works. So you're not going to be isolated. Actually, one of the things that predators do is to identify praise that are isolated. We have great strength in company. Acts chapter 4. Oh, I'm digressing too much. Acts chapter 4 verse 31. And when they had prayed, and the place was shaken where they were assembled together... And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and, be, and they speak the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. You see how the, how the prayer was answered? They began to speak immediately. After praying, 
they began to speak the word of God. God is expecting that if you're praying about it, you should expect it. So if you prayed for boldness to preach, how will you know you have received boldness? Until you go out and preach. Alright, it's simple. You can't just pray and see that, oh, I want to work in miracles. And you're not laying hand. It doesn't work that way. You have to lay hands on the sick to see that your prayer was answered. Alright? And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of his of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common and with great power give the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Alright. So what do we see in this story? Number one, you have to have a prayer life. Listen friends, it's so important. You don't build your prayer life in prayer meetings. You bring it to prayer meetings. You have to have a prayer life. Prayer is not a key. Prayer is a lifestyle. It's not, a, it's not one of those things. Ah, it's a powerful key. It's not a powerful key. It is integral. Prayer is like breathing in air. Studying the word is like breathing out air. That's what we live by. Alright? It's too important. Not to have a prayer life is to permit your heart to be a den of thieves. First Corinthians 3 verse 16. First Corinthians 3 verse 16. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that the Spirit of God dwells in your heart? The Bible says our bodies are the temple of God. First Peter 2 verse 5. First Peter 2 verse 5. First Peter 2 verse 5. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Second Corinthians 6, 14 to 18. Second Corinthians 6, 14 to 18. Second Corinthians 6, 14 to 18. Now why did I say that our bodies are the temple of God? Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 21 verse 12. Matthew 21, verse 12. See what Jesus says. Matthew 21, verse 12. We're going to read 12 and we're going to read 13. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and benches of those selling those. When Jesus comes into your temple, the first thing he drives away is buying and selling there. Look at verse 13. He said to them, The scriptures declare, My temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have made it into, or you have turned it into a den of thieves. Alright? So, when, what we saw in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 is that our body is the temple of God. What did Jesus do when he got to the temple? He turned um, the tables of the money changers and stopped buying and selling which is distraction, worldliness, mundaneness. And in verse 13, he says, the house of God, the temple of God, which is your body, should be a house of prayer. He says, but you have made it a den of thieves. So if you are not praying, you are giving the devil room to steal, to steal, to kill, to steal, and to steal, to kill, and destroy. All right? Not praying is doing us more harm than we think. Alright? So you have to have a prayer life. And that will mean you have to have a designated time for praying. 
If not, you will not pray. The apostles had a time for prayer. Look at Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. That's a designated time. Very specific. Daniel 6 verse 10. Daniel 6 verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Now note this. Daniel was a very busy man because he was a politician and he was an administrator. In those days, kings didn't do anything. All they did was slept with women and drink. The, the administration of the empire was on the shoulders of the prime minister, which Daniel was. Now, Daniel was serving in Babylon, which at that moment was the hyper power, all right? Was the, was the world power, the biggest empire on earth at that time. So if anybody would be busy, it should have been Daniel. But guess what? Daniel stands as a monument that you are never too busy for your priorities. Some of us understand what I'm saying. We are very busy people, but when we are in love, we have time. Alright? Busy means I have set my priorities and some things come first. To be busy for God means that God's interest doesn't interest you. Another thing is this, if you don't have a prayer life, you will not see angelic visitations. Look at Acts chapter 10 verse 30, Acts chapter 10 verse 30, and Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and the night hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. You see? So, prayer actually activated angelic visitations. Angels intervened for Peter when prayer was offered for him by the church. You see, in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel prayed and fasted, and an angel appeared. Actually, the angel is an angel of wisdom, as Daniel prayed, all right? Angels minister for us. Hebrews 1 verse 14 says, I did not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them that are heirs of salvation, all right? You cannot constantly flow in the supernatural without a prayer life. Remember the word I used. I said constantly. You might do it by luck, all right? <laughs> but you will not be able to constantly flow in the supernatural without a prayer life, all right? Now, these are some important things I think you should note. Prayer doesn't make the gifts of the Spirit available. It actually makes them activated. We don't earn them in prayer because they are gifts of the Spirit. They are not earned, all right? The evidence that we have received them is just that we have to use them. So we have them, but the evidence that we have received them is that we use them. Don't tell me you have money if you are not spending it. Alright? So don't tell me you have the gifts of the Spirit if I can't see you at least working one or two of them. Alright? God designed prayer as one of the greatest tools to activate your faith because that's where you hear. Romans 10 verse 17 says, Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you prayed about it, God is expecting 
that you're expecting it, which is what is called faith. Alright? Another important thing is this. We receive direction and wisdom by praying and studying the word. David inquired of the Lord to pursue, to overtake and recover. Same thing, Jehoshaphat prayed to receive strategy for warfare in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Now to say, ah, Jesus has done it all. Why are we praying? He's finished. It's true. But that means you will have to cancel Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 from your Bible. You will have to cancel Colossians 4, 2 to 3. It says, continue endlessly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that we might open, that God might open to us a door for the word to speak the mysteries of Christ, for which I am also in chains. Romans 12 verse 12, it says, Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulations, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Alright, look at Ephesians 6 verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Guess what? Jesus, who is our protos, alright, or our prototype, prayed. Look at Luke 3 verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized, and while he was praying, Heaven was opened. Look at Matthew 14, verse 23. Matthew 14, verse 23. And he had sent the crowd away. Yes, after he had sent the crowd away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Look at Mark 6, verse 46. Mark 6, verse 46. After bidding them farewell, he went and left for the mountain to pray. Look at Luke 6 verse 12. Oh, come on. Several scriptures. Luke 6 verse 12. Mark 1 verse 35. Luke 5 verse 16. Luke 9 verse 18. All the scriptures Jesus prayed. So, Jesus actually did not end works. Jesus ended dead works. That's very important. You have to catch the difference. Jesus did not end works. Jesus ended dead works. He says we have been saved unto good works. So Jesus ended dead works so we can now do the good works of God. And one of the good works is to commune with the Father. Alright? So prayer is a very, very good labor. I think I'm going to close here today with us. At least we established you know, one or two things. Number one is the importance of studying the word. Alright? And I said, just the way you don't say, ah, I've, I've eaten rice before, I'm no more eating rice again. It's the same way you should not just say, ah, I've eaten, I've read this scripture before, I'm not reading it again. And just the way you say, you don't say, ah, my friend has been telling me good money, don't let him tell me good morning again. I don't want to hear his voice again. It's the same way you should, you know, ensure that the word of God is also saying hi to you. As often as it can. Alright? And then we also, you know, identify the importance of prayer. These things are fundamental. You can't have one and not have the other. Studying the Word of God is actually a powerful form of prayer. It's the prayer where God is speaking to you. Alright? And praying is a powerful avenue 
in prayer also, telling God that you are serious about knowing about him. All right. So two of them go hand in hand. Your prayer life is incomplete without Bible study. And Bible study is incomplete without prayer. You don't just wake up in the morning and just do from anywhere, Belefis. And then when you now see lamentation, you say, no, 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 that's not what God is saying. You can't continue doing that. You have to pray and see what to see. You have to pray and hear what to read. You have to pray and see what you should be looking to see. All right. As you pray, you begin to hear words. Those words are the words that become study for you. So when God tells you, uh, you are blessed beyond the curse, that's a study for you. You have to go and see what God means by blessed so you can understand the prophecy. This is how to study the Bible. You are praying and you hear the word ignition. You have to go and see what is consistent with ignition in scriptures. This is how you study the Bible. You don't just study because you just open one scripture and read a chapter. No. Because the 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 Bible is supposed to be read holistically. All right, Jesus said, set the scriptures. You set the scriptures for you, and then you think you have eternal life. He says, but they are they that testify of me. So the scriptures is speaking about somebody. All right, so if the Bible is talking about blessing, it's talking about the blessedness in Christ. If the Bible is talking about light, it's speaking about the light or the enlightenment that comes from Christ. All right? So you have to learn to read the Bible holistically. That's so important. Okay? Um, these things that you've heard of among many witnesses, commit unto faithful men that they may be able to teach others also. God bless you. And have a great one in Jesus' mighty name. Stand strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Mommy, for this opportunity.